This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now live from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Dave McCann. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play back in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, June 28th, wherever and however you have chosen to connect It is great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man who proudly features both of his ears in complete tact, Dave McCann. Thank you. Great to be here. June 28, 1997. I am ringside working for a TV station in Las Vegas when Mike Tyson bites Evander Holyfield's right ear (laughs) right off and spits it down onto the canvas. 25 years ago, you witnessed that. Ringside. And we could not believe it. We're sitting there going, did that just happen? And Holyfield's jumping up and down, and there's blood coming down his boxing glove, and and uh, Mike Tyson's disqualified, starts fighting with the police officers, people pouring into the ring. There are fights in the stands behind us. <laughs> and I looked around, I go, this is by far the most bizarre professional <laughs> night of my life, and it's withstood the test of time. We interviewed the guy who picked up part of the ear, <laughs> Took it to Valley Hospital. They tried to reattach it, and they couldn't do it. I interviewed Evander Holyfield years later in Atlanta, and it's uh, it's still missing. His ear ends just right there. But uh, he and Iron Mike are friends now. It's amazing what you can overcome in life. And uh, But hard to believe, 25 years ago tonight, that happened. It just stunned the sports world. How does that conversation go when they get together? Hey, remember that time that we were fighting each other and you bit my ear off? That yeah. was wild. Well, I hadn't eaten that day. I was really hungry. Yeah. That, what, a, what a strange, uh, strange, strange night. The great thing about sports is you just never know what's going to happen. A home run, a half-court shot, and ear biting. <laughs> it grips us to the end. There is a strict no-biting policy for today's show lineup, Dave. Thank goodness. So listen up with your good air, everyone. What do BYU football fans care most about when it comes to quarterback prestige? Is it what they do at BYU, or is it what they do beyond in the NFL? You tell us. And what do BYU fans want from Jimmer Fredette these days? He's back in the basketball tournament. He will join us live to discuss his ambitions and role with Floyd Mayweather, speaking of high-level boxers, and his money team in the basketball tournament. Don't forget Andrew Mickelson, two days removed from his knockout win in the MMA octagon. Is he, just by default now, the toughest kicker in BYU history? Is Matt Payne going to yeah. call in? Does Matt Payne have something to say about it? <laughs> uh, Payne versus Mickelson in the uh, octagon? i pay five bucks. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Mark Pope gets a guy he can look up to. Pope 6'10", he signs... Noah Waterman at 6'11". Waterman comes from Detroit Mercy. He's listed as a guard slash forward at 6'11 because he can shoot the three. Committed to St. Bonaventure there out of the portal earlier this month and decommitted and signed with BYU. Last year, 36 games at Detroit Mercy. He averaged eight points, four rebounds, shot 43% from the field, 38% from three, 75% from the free throw line. Can he stretch the defense so Foose has less double teams. Two years ago, he shot 53% from the three-point line. Let's take that. 53% at 6'11". Yeah, absolutely we'll take that. Bring that with you, Noah. BYU quarterback Jaron Hall listed ninth overall in the Matt Miller mock draft. Miller claims Hall has big playability stacked on a six-foot, one-inch frame and can produce with a whip-strong right arm. 
or shifty mobility, referencing Hall's 20 touchdown passes to only five interceptions as an indicator of his accuracy and smart decision-making. Are we staring at another top 10 overall draft pick in and, quarterback Jaron Hall? And how about maybe two in next year's draft if you throw in Blake Freeland? Hey, BYU's only one time, one time in the history of BYU football have they had two first-round draft picks. That notion's not even coming from us. It's coming from the outside. We just report. Indeed. Big 12 appears to have their new commissioner, Brett Yormark, COO of Jay-Z's Rock Nation and previously the co-CEO of Rock Nation Unified. It'd be an out-of-the-box hire. That's what everyone's saying today for the Big 12. Not a lot of college sports experience, but he does know his stuff. 14 years on the job as the CEO of Barclays Center, and that includes the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, before that, he was with NASCAR for six years. We'll learn more about him, but that appears to be the wow. way it's going. Uh, outside the box, to say the least, yep. if that's the direction the Big 12 goes, which is what they said they wanted. They wanted a fresh start. They wanted somebody not necessarily tied to the traditions and long-standing ones of college football. And someone who can't be pushed around when it comes to TV negotiations. It's like, hey, I'm coming from the NBA. I'm not coming from the WAC. And not just that, it's Jay-Z's rock group. Yeah, throwing some free tickets. Be on ESPN every night. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> BYU women's soccer legend Ashley Hatch and the United States women's national team take on Columbia tonight in Salt Lake City, specifically Sandy, at Rio Tinto Stadium. Here's Ashley Hatch. It's it's a dream come true, and it's really cool to be able to come back, especially you know having my first cap here and seeing how far I've come since then. And so I'm just really excited and happy to be here. Hey, hometown hero of sorts, Ashley Hatch, in her second go around with the United States national women's team roster, and more importantly this time, competing for a spot on the World Cup roster. How incredible has the story arc and career arc of Ashley Hatch been to this point? Will there be a BYU chant at Rio Tinto tonight? Let's go. Let's make it happen, BYU awesome. fans. <laughs> she gets on the pitch. She might start. I mean, she started the last match against Columbia in a 3 0 win. I wouldn't be surprised to see her run out in front of her home crowd. Her coaches know. The staff knows that she's a BYU person. All she does is kick goals. Exactly. All she does is score goals. Yeah. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. We come to you with this question at the top of What's Trending, and it's something that we referenced in the show lineup teaser. Is it more important to you as a BYU fan that a BYU quarterback has great success during his college career? while he's wearing the BYU uniform? Or is it about what he does once he goes beyond in the National Football League? And BYU has a long story in both of those realms. Okay, We saw great success from Nelson, Wilson, McMahon, Bosco, Young, okay, Ty Detmer. And then when you go into the modern era, John Beck, right. Max Hall, Taysom Hill, Zach, Zach Wilson, now Jaron Hall. Is it about what those guys do in a BYU uniform, or are we more about, oh, man, they won Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion. Look at what Zach Wilson's going to do. He's going to turn around the New York Jets potentially. Dave, what do you think? How would you answer the question? More important for BYU success or what these quarterbacks do in their professional careers? I'm going to go with BYU success because uh, that's, that's, that's where we are. That's what we're in. Um, they'll always be judged by how they were here. Love that Steve Young was so dominant with the 49ers. And McMahon wins a Super Bowl with the Bears. They carry that with them. But we have them back, 
like Jim was here the other day. We have them back because they played here. And when they were here, McMahon set over 70 NCAA records. He didn't do that with the Bears, but you go to Chicago and he is the king of the city still. So I, I guess it's, it's relative to uh, your perspective, but I think it means more here than it does there. Steve Young, by the way, has, ha, is the number one, uh, what? The number one all-time representative of BYU outside of... Hard, hard to argue that he's not. Yeah. And, and he's done so much after football. But, um, man, he was a lefty running around like crazy down at the stadium. That's what we remember. And then he went to the NFL and became famous. I think it starts here. Sure. Yeah, both are good. This, that's the beautiful part about this question. Both matter. Both are important to BYU fans. But I feel like if we're discussing, like, legendary status of BYU guys, we care a lot about the prestige and the accolades they pick up while they're playing quarterback at BYU. The reason that the quarterback factory became a deal is because under Lavelle Edwards, all of these quarterbacks were winning prestigious awards. Right. While it was only Ty Detmer to win the Heisman, and McMahon was finishing third. You know, you interviewed him about that last week, and he's like, what the heck, man? How, co- how, how did, come I couldn't win How did Ty win, how did Ty win and I didn't? <laughs> it's probably because Ty broke all of Jim McMahon's all like records. They were second and third, it seemed. Yes, yeah, Steve Young finished second. Robbie Bosco was top three. Mark Wilson was in that top three conversation. But they were winning the Davey O'Brien Award. Sammy uh, Baugh. Sammy Baugh Trophy. They, and again, yes, they were all first team or second team All-Americans. And sometimes consensus and sometimes multiple years, but depending those, on the quarterback. All those awards were reflective of their performance, which was reflective in the number of wins. Yes. And that's what we attach our memories yes. to. Remember At that one BYU. season we went 10-2 and two or this or that? But let's say, that, let's say this. You got, you got Jaron Hall. You want Jaron Hall as a first-round top-five draft pick? Yeah. Or would you rather see him in the top-five Heisman mm. voting? Mm. That, 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 that's an interesting question because it's been since Ty Detmer was the quarterback yeah. at BYU yeah. that the Cougars legitimately had a top-tier Heisman candidate. Zach Wilson, by nature of the beast, because the schedule was what it was in 2020, and to his credit, he maximized that and got himself to the number-two overall pick, highest pick in BYU football history. But the schedule just wasn't there for him to have enough noise to get into the top five or the top three. Now, Jaron Hall is an interesting case because he's coming off a really good season, and he's the guy again, Dave. Zach yeah. Wilson's thing was a one-year deal. Jaron Hall has an advantage in this because he's coming back with some prestige to BYU. And so already he's showing up as, oh, man, number nine overall could go as high as number six we've seen in some draft projections. Uh, most people have him now going at, at worst, early second round, late first round. Zach Wilson was entirely off the radar, Dave. He was, nobody had Zach Wilson getting drafted going into 2020. That's he right. was like, oh, man, he's got incredible arm talent, but 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions, he was injured. Uh, the, he's at best like an undrafted free agent. Then he goes all the way to the number two pick. Jaron Hall has an advantage against Zach Wilson in – potentially getting some of these prestigious college awards because he comes back with hype. And a schedule. And a schedule that will only magnify that, right? We kind of look at these quarterbacks like we look at rock bands. You know, all, all the greatest music was from the 80s. That's where all the great quarterbacks are. It's coincidence? I don't know. But a, a band puts out a new song that's pretty good, but it's not anywhere near to the classics for some reason. And they're like, we're the same band. We're singing songs. Why is it you'll listen to these songs over and over again, but you'll barely give these a sniff? These new quarterbacks today, when we say, well, 
Where do we put Wilson? Where do we put Hall in comparison to Young, McMahon, Wilson, you know, the greats? Yeah. And for some reason, they're not even on the same page. Even though one's the number two overall draft pick in the NFL and the other one today projected as the number nine overall pick. For some reason, we just attach greatness with our glory years, maybe our personal glory years. Sure. And then we just dismiss the other stuff. <laughs> and I don't know why, but we do that all the time. And, and in this case, um, these guys, BYU, you throw in Zach and, and Jaren, they're 21 and four in their last 25 games. You know, there's only three or four runs better than that in the history of BYU football. Uh, is that great enough for their BYU legacy, or do they have to go to the NFL and win with the Jets before we go, Zach Wilson does belong with Steve Young, Jim McMahon, Robbie Bosco, Ty Detmer conversation. Sure. I don't know. Time will tell. But, I, but I, I just believe the college scene holds so much. Sure. And listen, we're going to talk to Jimmer Fredette in about five minutes. Case in point with Jimmer. Everybody knew BYU because of Jimmer. Right. He did that. He changed the entire perspective of the nation because of what he was doing in a BYU uniform. So if BYU was playing, they knew – we get to watch Jimmer. They, they attached him to BYU, and I think BYU fans, I want, probably for one, specifically would love the nation to be like, I get to watch Jaron Hall play if I watch BYU. I would like to see Jaron Hall ascend to that level where it's yeah. like, I want to watch him play, so i got to find BYU so that they're kind of intermingled. Jimmer was that special, and I'd like that to happen again. Jimmer is a rock star in BYU lore. Still is. Walks into arena, BYU fans who know him, Love him. Did Jimmer need a seven to eight year subpar NF, uh, NBA experience for BYU fans to love him anymore? I don't think so because of what they saw while he was here, what they experienced, what they felt. That's why they love Jimmer. We would have loved to seen him in the NBA. But Absolutely. Did he need the NBA to justify his BYU stardom? No. Not if you lived. There. No. And neither did Ty Detmer, Dave. Yeah. The Heisman Trophy winner, the guy that finally ascended that mountain which McMahon and Young and Bosco and Wilson could not do. The guy that ascended, he is now associated with BYU football. Now you say Ty Detmer to just random people, random college football fans, they don't think, oh, Ty Detmer, the longtime backup and one-time yeah, starter with the Philadelphia back, Eagles. Yeah. No, they think, oh, yeah, the guy that won the Heisman for BYU. And beat Miami. Didn't he beat Miami? Be- yes. yes. Beat Miami. Absolutely. Okay, our question of the day. You answer it. Both Dave and I feel like it resonates more if you do big things while you're in the BYU uniform and then, hey, if it goes, turns into an amazing college or pro career, fantastic. Right. Fantastic. Is it more important to you that a BYU quarterback has college success or NFL success? Let's hear from you, BYUSN and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Spencer Kenny Blake answers on Instagram. College. Trying to become a Jets fan, but it's an uphill battle. (laughs) (laughs) It is for everyone. I feel every BYU win from the depths of my soul. Well said. Katoom150 answers on Instagram. Chicken or the egg? Well played. Yeah. Do we care more about what happens first or what comes second? Or do we even know what happens first? Yeah, I mean, in this instance, we know college comes first. But if you're amazing in the NFL... Does that trump if your college career was just pretty good and not, like, legendary? You know, Steve Young had a great college career. Uh, He had an awesome pro career. He was a better quarterback in the pros, won the Super Bowl MVP. But we love him because he played at BYU. 
I'll take that. Chicken, okay. Chicken or the egg. Okay. Come on. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to join that conversation. Coming up, is BYU close to getting another quarterback drafted in the top 10? Plus, as promised, Jimmer Fredette joins us live. How he got involved with the money team and why he's headed back to the basketball tournament. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation has its own YouTube channel. Get all the interviews by subscribing to and share the BYU Sports Nation YouTube channel. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton. To my left sits Dave McCann. And joining us now is the legendary BYU basketball star, a guy who has had a really nice professional career as well. In fact, it's continuing on in the basketball tournament coming up this summer. Jimmer Fredette joins us. Jimmer, great to have you back on the show. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I always enjoy coming on. Okay, so by default, because you just had your third child with your wife, Whitney, we, uh, we need to ask you the basketball question, and I'm sure a billion people have asked you this, but have you settled into a zone defense, or are you still trying to play a little man-to-man? Yeah, no, we're basically right now we're in a box and one. Whitney is, uh, Whitney's got the baby and I am kind of in zone with the other two. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's, she's about man to man with that. And then I got the other two. So it's been, uh, it's been good. I, I know how to play against the box and one. I've done it several times. So we're, uh, we're doing well. Yeah. If there's anyone with experience in the box and one, it would be, it would be you. <laughs> Let's talk about Floyd Mayweather. Uh, I covered him for years down in Las Vegas and now you are, you are partnering with him in this basketball team. How did that come together? So back when I was playing with the Westchester Knicks, I played with a teammate named Jordan Crawford. And Jordan Crawford became a really great friend of mine. Um, some probably know who he is. He's, you know, five, six, five, seven guard, lightning quick, really just awesome guy. And he was extremely close with Floyd. Um, so he, uh, you know, kind of hung out with him and his group. Um, and he would come to our games every once in a while, Floyd at the, in Westchester and, and everything. So we got connected through him and then he started his own team in the TBT tournament and asked me if I wanted to be a part of it this time. So, uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, you know, we're attracted to great players, have a good squad. So I'm excited for it. If you get in a fight with him, <laughs> just remember that his jab is what he made all his money on. So protect yourself yeah, yeah. from the jab. I will not be doing that. I will say that. <laughs> Jimmer, when you're approached about the basketball tournament and you had great success with Team Fredette, and that was a lot of fun for BYU fans and basketball fans in general to watch, uh, what was appealing about it uh, a second go-around? You know, you'd done it, so why, why did you want to do it again? Yeah. Well, you know, at this point, I mean, it's just fun, honestly. It's a fun tournament. It's kind of like a AAU tournament for older guys. Kind of just show up. Uh, with your flip-flops on, you don't have to go through anything. You just show up, warm up for 20 minutes, and then play the game, you know, and you have some great group of guys you can get together and your own group of guys that you go out there and play with. But also, I didn't play, uh, you know, basketball this season. So it's fun to be able to get out and play some competitive basketball in front of fans um, and kind of just go out and do my thing. So I'm excited for it. You're going to a workout right after this interview. As, as you take time off from basketball and you have, as you mentioned, this year, uh, how many shots do you have to get up before you feel like you've got your shot back? 
you know, I've, I've, you know, I've continued to work out this whole time. You know, I haven't stopped working out just because I, first of all, I just love it. I love going to the gym by myself and just working out in general. So it'll be something that I do for probably the rest of my life, as long as my knees hold up and everything. So, but, uh, I, it's, it's, it's the very, it varies, you know, as a professional, you kind of get into a groove of where you kind of figure it out on a day-to-day basis. Like some days you're like, oh, I'm feeling good today. You don't maybe need it as many shots. There's some days where you're not feeling as well and uh, you may need to get more shots up to get your rhythm. Um, but for me, it's more about going game speed every day, making sure that you're, you know, getting those games reps. And if you're doing that, then it's, you know, you're going to be more successful when you get on the court. Jimmer, we just watched Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors wrap up really a remarkable run back to NBA prominence. And, Without fail, basketball fans will be like, yeah, but did you see Jimmer at BYU? And we all talk about Steph, the way he shoots deep threes and whatnot. Do you feel like your timeline, if it had been a little bit more congruent with Steph Curry's, that things would have played out differently? Because that a lot of people ask that. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's ask Jimmer. What do you think? Well, you know, Steph came into the league before I did. And, you know, so he was he was there um, earlier, but he wasn't able to be Steph for, you know, five, six years. You know, it took him a little while before he actually got, uh, you know, on the court where he was actually able to kind of shoot these shots and, and do this, this type of stuff. So, you know, I feel obviously um, when I came into the league, it was a little bit more even, you know, 10 or 11 years ago little bit more regimented of like are you a point guard are you a two guard you know they were trying to slot you into a different spot instead of now where everyone's just kind of a guard and there's multiple positions you kind of change interchangeable type deals and they don't really care as much they just want guys that can shoot the ball um, from range and, and kind of play multiple positions handle it play off the ball that type of thing I think you know a couple years later probably would have benefited me um, you know but at the same time it just you know, sometimes things happen the way that they happen for a reason. And, uh, you know, I did the best I could and put out put out my effort and, and uh, you know, did some great things and had some not great moments. And, uh, you know, you kind of just work through it. Mark Pope just signed a 6'11 kid who shoots the three. Uh, at what point, Jimmer, did you see the transition from the fans appreciating a three-point shot more so than even a slam dunk? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, for sure. Probably my senior season. I mean, like that was, you know, something in 2011 where, uh, I mean, if I dunked it, I think they would have been, they would have enjoyed that a lot because I didn't dunk it often, but <laughs> hey, there's video but, evidence. We've seen it, Jimmer. Yeah. We've seen you there's do it. There's video evidence. There is, there's absolutely video evidence, but, uh, yeah, there's, I think the deep three was something that people were expecting. And once it happened, it's just as a, it's a crowd energizer for sure. And you can see that even with Steph in Golden State, whenever he makes a deep shot and goes on a run and it's kind of like a dagger type shot, the building just goes nuts. People love it. And, uh, you know, so I think it's because a lot of people can't, can't do that, you know? So they're like, yeah, I can't dunk it or I can't shoot that shot from deep. So it kind of has the same type of uh, electricity when it goes through someone. So uh, yeah, it's, it was a lot of fun, but I think that season really changed it. Jimmer Fredette is with us on BYU Sports Nation preparing for the basketball tournament. In fact, what's the timeline like for you as far as practices go and team chemistry and the buildup to the tournament? What are the next few weeks like for you and Team Mayweather, the money team? Yeah, we kind of just uh, we got on a Zoom call the other day, kind of introduced everybody, kind of get in front of everyone. We've played against each other and with each other a lot with a lot of these guys. We're familiar with them um, and everything. And, you know, there's not a lot of practice time before, you know what I mean? You may get there a couple of days early. Some people do have like a little training camp during the summer, but that 
you know, it kind of costs a lot of money. It depends on your sponsorship and all that stuff, depending on how you want to do it. Um, so a lot of times it's a couple of days before, you know, get a little practice in, but with these guys playing for so long, uh, professionally, you usually pick things up pretty quickly. You put in a few basic plays, um, and then you kind of know what other guys do. And then you kind of feel it out for the first half of the game. And then at that point, you're kind of just, you know, on, on the go and you figure it out pretty quickly when you play basketball for a long time. 64 teams in this field. How, how exactly does it work? And are we looking at August madness or is it get into September madness for the, for the final four and the winning team gets a million bucks? How does, how does the tournament tournament format roll out? Yeah, they do it pretty quickly. Uh, it goes basically through the month of July. So they'll have three different, uh, you know, uh, different areas that people go to or three different weekends with different areas people are in. Ours is in Dayton. Uh, we played July 24th, our first game. And actually the end, the championship is on August 2nd. So, I mean, we would play basically like 10 days straight, you know, that type of thing if we were to keep playing, whereas some play in the beginning of July and then they have to wait until that final four, uh, you know, type, uh, type uh, format that they have. So they kind of, you know, spread it out, but they do that for, uh, you know, money purposes to not have to pay so much, uh, you know, and spread it out too long. You know, they try to cram it into a couple weekends. Jimmer, you've had a very outstanding professional career. You've played in a number of leagues, a number of countries, and you've had peak performances in all of those. Uh, people can't help but wonder, okay, after the basketball tournament, because, you know, we're sure you're going to do what you do, man. You're going to put on a show. People are going to take notice. <laughs> what does the basketball road hold for you after the basketball tournament? You know, it's a great question. You know, honestly, I, I, I truly don't know at this point. Uh, you know, I've, I've played for you know, over 10 seasons at, at this point. Um, I've had a great professional career, um, and I obviously feel well enough to be able to continue to play. Um, you know, but it's going to definitely take a, uh, uh, the right situation for me to go into. I'm not worried necessarily as much about the money of it or anything like that. I'm more concerned about lifestyle, family, yeah. uh, being able to enjoy my time wherever it is that I go. So I'm going to probably wait my time and, and see what that, that situation is um, and kind of figure it out at that point. But, um, yeah, it's definitely more about fit than anything than, uh, than money at this point. You do seem to have a spark uh, when it comes to teaching with your apps and uh, TikToks and, and, and growing the game for, for a lot of kids all over the place. You enjoy that? Yeah, I do. It's, it was something I started a while back and people really started to enjoy it. A lot of kids and parents would come up to me and be like, I watch your videos all the time. Please keep doing them. <laughs> so, I mean, it just kind of was, you know, something natural for me. I was working out anyway. So I was like, just put up a camera and, and do some of these instructional videos. And that's something that I've done my entire life. One thing, you know, for me was that I, I'm not the most gifted athletically, you know, I wasn't the tallest, the longest, that type of person. So I had to work on my game a lot to get to the skill level to where I be, where I had to be. So I have a lot of knowledge of workouts and what I did to try to get better. And I just felt like it was uh, something that I should probably do. And, and uh, it's been well received. Jimmer, when you look at your professional career, like I said, you've had some incredible moments. Like I, just the other day I was watching you go nuts in Madison Square Garden. It popped up on my YouTube feed. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch Jimmer torch the Knicks with the Sacramento Kings because it's fun. Okay, That's an unforgettable <laughs> moment in front of your family and friends in New York. Then you dropped 73 in the CBA, which was just wild and kind of went viral in the basketball world. What's your peak performance in your professional career? Like, what, what has been your peak performance? 
Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I mean, um, you know, I think probably the the one game where I played, where I had 75 um, in China. So I, you know, I was fortunate there. I had three, I had three games where I scored over 70 in China. And uh, so that was, it happened to three out of the four seasons. And like, it just kind of happened uh, all of a sudden. But that one game, when I scored 75, uh, I only had two points in the first quarter. And uh, so then that the, less, the rest of the three quarters, I was able to, you know, really score the basketball really well. Uh, you know, uh, the rest of that game. And, uh, you know, I just felt different that game. It was, yeah. I don't know, it was really weird. Like anytime you just shot the ball, it was going in. It didn't matter where my teammates <laughs> were getting me the ball everywhere, setting me screens everywhere. And it just kind of was one of those, one of those deals. But uh, yeah, you don't, you usually don't feel better than after scoring a 70 point game. Yeah. Sure. yeah. It's been five years. You dropped 75 points, <laughs> which is just insane. I've, I've never had that feeling. I'm going to go my whole life yeah. and never have that feeling. Seven, 40 points in the fourth quarter. What is going through your yeah. mind as you reflect on that? Like, what's in your head? Well, well it was funny because we were down that game, and I was just trying to come back and win. And, like like I said, I was just starting to shoot the ball really well, and, and I saw, like, we were down a, over 10 points, and I was like, I got to start shooting some threes to try to get us back into it. And we started getting some turnovers, and I started getting transition threes, and you know, we just played super fast pace that game, like at the end of the second half, just every time either make or miss, we were transition uh, screen into a shot, you know, or whatever it was. So I was just, you know, in a flow and my teammates knew it and they just got, got me the ball as best <laughs> they could. Hey, last question for you. Um, Andrew Mickelson's going to join us here in studio in a few minutes. Former BYU punter, now an MMA guy. You might have seen his highlights on YouTube. Unbelievable. Yeah. I'm not uh, fighting him either. <laughs> well, our question is, if you were to join the MMA, which former teammate would you want to face in the octagon? Oh, Jackson Emery. <laughs> absolutely. You kidding me? Would you go for yeah, the body or the head? Or how would, you, how would you combat Jackson Emery? I'd probably go. Well, yeah, he has a weak core for sure now, especially <laughs> now. He's, you know, he's a little out of shape. Uh, you know, it's, you know, he, Hopefully he's listening to this, but uh, you know he has weak shins too. I'd probably go right after his shins. Doesn't sound probably just be down for the count. It sounds like he so. wouldn't even pass the physical just to get in the in there. But he uh, might not. Yeah, no, he might not. For dead and and Emery, that that's that's something. Yeah, that's that's a blockbuster. <laughs> that's for a sure. blockbuster. Uh, well, whether it's MMA oh, yeah. or whatever you're going to pursue after basketball, uh, Jimmer, we appreciate that you make time for us, and just know. You know, if, if you're a coach or whatever it is you decide to do after basketball, there's always a spot for you here in Studio B and courtside at the Marriott Center if you want to analyze basketball. That is if you can, you know, handle Absolutely. us and specifically handle Jerem Jordan, who conveniently is not here today. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on there. He, he Yeah, he definitely uh... – there's something going on there. I'll have to text him afterwards. But yeah, we'll do that. We'll have to do that. We'll have to do that one game this year and see how it goes. That'll be fun. Love it. Thanks, Jimmer. Okay. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Jimmer Fredette on BYU Sports Nation, headed to the basketball tournament. Like you said, very quick turnaround. You play your first games on July 24th. They're wrapping that thing up first week of August, and so it is rapid fire basketball. But it's so much fun just to be able to watch him compete again. Yeah at you know somewhat of a high level it gets you know some nice publicity and it's easy to find on tv like we can all watch this so 
hey, opportunity knocks for hey, BYU fans. I'm just impressed. He doesn't know what questions we're going to ask him. He had Jackson Emery named in <laughs> half a second as to who he'd like to see in the octagon. Weak shins. <laughs> Weak shins. Andrew Mickelson's going to join us live here in studio. He wants no piece of Blaine Fowler, speaking of matchups. We'll find out why. And we play Caption This with Jamal Williams. Have you seen the latest, greatest picture from the budding Detroit Lions it's star? It's something else. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world. This is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get great content throughout the day, follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Dave. I am Spencer. Right now, let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company, enabling global trade for a growing world. ESPN's Matt Miller has Jaron Hall projected as his ninth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. That's number nine. Overall, what's the chance Jaron Hall is a top 10 draft pick? Oh, man. Listen, if Jaron does what Matt Miller is projecting him to do, yeah, chances are high. But that's asking a lot against a really tough schedule. So if Jaron wins 10 or 11 games against that slate, yeah, mark me down for, hey, 80 90% he's going top 10. Right now I feel confident that Jaron Hall is probably going to go where most people have him projected. That's late first round, early second round. I'd put all my stock there. But, hey, if he does something special, Dave, let's say he's a top five Heisman candidate, BYU wins 10 games, why not be a top 10 pick? He's got to go to Oregon. He's got Notre Dame in Vegas. He's got Arkansas here. He's got Stanford on the road. I'm missing somebody else. Who it's okay. Missing? Arkansas? Uh, Baylor. Oh, Baylor, that's Big right. Big 12 champs Revenge. coming in. Revenge There's game. a schedule there where he can build a profile. Yeah, here's the thing. Two keys. Stay healthy, win a lot of games. That's your path to a top 10 pick. That's your path to a job. <laughs> yeah, it really NFL. is. If you're wondering, just ask Zach. Zach, how would you do that? It is being reported that the Big 12 is targeting Brett Yormark as the next commissioner of the league. We talked about this earlier. Yormark, 55 years old, the COO for Rock Nation, an entertainment agency founded by hip-hop artist Jay-Z. Do you like the idea of the Big 12 bringing in a quote-unquote entertainment guy and not a college guy. By the way, 55 is the new 35. <laughs> so I don't worry about that. Uh, college football is different now. You know, and we'll talk football, but obviously he's the commissioner for all the sports. It's different now. It's, it's entertainment driven. It's get my product in front of the most eyeballs yep. all the time. And get the most money while doing it. And get the most money. And here comes a guy from the professional ranks, whether it's NASCAR or the or the NBA, to make those kind of deals. I like that out of the box. I like that out of the box because he can go get something different. Sure. We'll see. When I first read the headline, I was like, ah, man, I wish Bob Bowlesby were sticking around because I like Bob Bowlesby. I think Bob's done great things. But even Bob's like, I'm out. NCAA's got their hands and everything. I'm out. I like this because he doesn't really have a relationship with the NCAA folks. He'll come and just be like, now nah, we're doing it this way. Yeah. Uh, we're going to make a ton of money. I like his business mentality to help the Big 12 go and get a huge TV contract, maximize the potential money and the advertisers. And frankly, like you said, he wants eyeballs. Guess what, Brett? We at BYU TV would love to put Big 12 fans' eyeballs on as many sporting events as possible. So yeah. I like that too. We got 69 million homes. I don't know if they're all watching this morning. They'd be smart if they that's were. That's just nationwide, just not nationwide. to mention worldwide, yeah, Dave. that's just nationwide. 
which BYU Hoops transfer Rudy Williams, Jackson Robinson, and Noah Waterman will have the biggest impact on the team this year. It's it's going to be the point guard, Rudy Williams, by nature of him having the ball in his hand the most. And he's the guy that comes with the most experience. And BYU's most important position to fill in all of these roster gaps was the point guard. So I think it's going to be Rudy Williams by nature of what he will do with the basketball. I think Waterman will have a big opportunity if he can shoot the three like, like he has to open up things for Foose down low okay. as opposed to let's double team him and let those guys shoot kind of like what defenses yeah. did all last season to our three-point shooters who couldn't hit shots. He could be a big key into change. Okay, okay. Hey, if he's shooting 53% from the three-point line, hard to argue but with. But I him. like your point because someone's got to get him the ball. Yep. Jamal Williams, our good friend from the Detroit Lions. Look at this. Jay Swag Daddy <laughs> posted this photo of himself yesterday with the following caption. This is how the kid who asks his mom's new boyfriend for $5 stands. <laughs> <laughs> I like, this is how Eddie Murphy's stunt double in Coming to America 7 yes, stands. Yes, Jamal, Jamal is just a gem. And you answered the question, how would you caption the photo? You went right to Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he's got that smile going right there. That's Eddie Murphy playing for the Lions. Here's how I would caption the photo. I can't wait for hard knocks because the Detroit Lions are going to be featured on HBO's Hard Knocks, and Jamal Williams is going to be the superstar of that preseason series. Oh, yeah. that's That has to be the reason they're even going. <laughs> How much would you have to get paid to let Mike Tyson bite part of your ear off? <laughs> think about it. It's a business decision. I don't know. 10 million bucks? I think Holyfield got like 25 million. Yeah, at least as much as Holyfield then. That's the anniversary. It's a cash grab. Great quote by Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Amen. Amen. Nobody knows that better than uh, a guy we're going to talk to in just a little bit, Andrew Mickelson. A rising shout-out to the filling of the roster is straight ahead. Yes. And as I said, Andrew Mickelson in Studio B, I think he's going to spend more time here with us than he did in the Octagon, right? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) That would be a really short interview. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We're hanging out live in Studio B, and we're showing you that championship belt for good reason, Dave, because we've got a champion in the octagon with us on BYU Sports Nation. Andrew Mickelson, roughly 60 hours removed from that big win in the octagon. Thanks for coming in, man. Congratulations on a wild and celebratory weekend. Appreciate it. Thanks you for having me. S- there's a power to social media. Everyone's seen your 41 seconds of glory. Yeah. Are you surprised at how, how it's moved around so quickly? Surprised is not the right word. It's like more than surprised. It's been crazy. So, Who's the most random person that's reached out to you to congratulate you? Um, I don't know about random, but I mean, friends and family that have come out of the woodwork that I haven't heard from in a couple of years are like, dude, Old cousins. you're my hero now. It's like, okay, cool. Good to hear from well, you. Well, we just, Jimmer Fredette just said, that was amazing, right? Yeah. Jimmer saw your Friday. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's next level. So explain what it feels like when um, you're in the octagon. It's you and the opponent and the, and the referee, and the fight's about to start, and you look over at a guy who wants to knock you out now you want to do the same to him but you're looking at someone who's coming at you Mm -hmm. yeah most of us go through life trying to avoid that feeling and you're signing up for it what's it like um 
it's it's tough to describe. I couldn't really I couldn't really compare it to any other feeling, but it is similar to standing in the tunnel at Lavelle Edwards mm. with a packed house, hearing everybody screaming. You get kind of the same butterflies. It's exciting, yeah. um, and you just want to go out there and put on a show. So wow, forty second knockout for you. I mean, incredibly impressive. Uh-huh. Walk us through the road that took you to MMA because you're a kicker at BYU. And I mean, I remember having conversations with you on the sideline at different road games, whatever, and you know, saying hi to Andrew. And now you're a few years removed from this and you're you become this budding MMA star, if you will. How did you get to the point from kicking at BYU to 40 second knockout? Yeah, man, it's been a wild ride, honestly. Um, focused on football, obviously, during my BYU days, but was always a big fan of the UFC and followed the sport pretty closely, was buying the pay-per-views, following my favorite fighters. And um, once my playing days were were over at BYU, I was just working a nine to five, getting a dad bod. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give this MMA stuff a try. Um, I have a brother that has trained for several years. He's got a few fights under his belt and he's had some good success. And he's here local, and we both decided to, hey, let's 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 team up with a local gym here and get some training in. And then a few months later, I was begging the coach for a, a fight, and he said, yeah, I think you're ready. Let's tee up, tee up a fight for you. And that fight went well. It was another first round finish, um, and then I've kind of had the bug ever since. Yeah. So. Are you four and one as a professional fighter? Three and one Three and as one. an amateur fighter. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, as an amateur fighter. What I was mean, the one loss like? It. I mean, you know, we, we, we love handling success, but sometimes we learn more in a, in a defeat. Yeah, the loss was crazy. So um, really short notice fight against a guy who was ranked in the top five in the country in the amateur ranks. Kid out of Arizona, really, really great wrestling pedigree. And... I had been fighting mostly local Utah talent, other amateurs from the area. Um, and my first couple fights were quick um, and obviously went my way. So kind of the next step was to yeah. kind of take it more national and, and find an opponent that had a little bit more recognition. And so definitely daunting and intimidating, but it was a good fight. Um, lost a decision, a little bit of controversy with, with the judges' scorecards. I personally feel like the judges got it right, but uh, the dude was a high, high-level wrestler. I went out with my striking and, and landed some significant damage on the dude, but at the end of the day, lost a close decision. So, You uh, were in on 177 kickoffs at mm-hmm. BYU, which means um, you were in combat on special teams, so you got a chance to hit a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, for a kicker, which we, we, we go, well, kickers don't hit guys. You hit a lot of guys here. So that football experience here kind of prep you a little bit? You weren't back there protected by everybody. A little bit. I don't know. I'm a physical guy that kind of likes to get in there. So yeah. fortunately, Ed Lamb had some confidence in my abilities <laughs> to go down and cover. So yeah. I have Ed to thank for that. He said, hey, man, don't don't play safety. If you want, run down there and make a play. We'd all go crazy yeah. for it. And yeah. so fortunately – had some opportunities to do that while I was here. Well, with Ed in mind and having Blaine Fowler on the show yesterday, we were talking, like, they both got old man strength, right? Like, yeah, Ed and Blaine both, no like, in their own right, have that old man strength. And uh, Blaine yesterday was joking, like, oh, yeah, I could last at least three rounds in the octagon with Andrew, just, for, for, just based on my old man strength. Let me just interject here. 
the Blaine thinks the octagon is bigger than it is. <laughs> if he thinks he can run and avoid you for a couple of rounds, there is zero truth to that. <laughs> zero truth. But you said, very humble approach yesterday, you tweeted, I want no part of Blaine Fowler in the cage. Old man strength is real. I'm not trying to catch those ends. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to mess with Blaine. I don't want to mess with He's Blaine. He's got some guns. He He's does. got some guns, but... I, my money, my house, You're, everything would be on you. <laughs> it would, it's all on Andrew. It would all be on you, Andrew. What uh, what current BYU special team guy do you think? Have, do you think Rico have a chance in, in your world over there? I think Rico could go do whatever he wanted. The dude's clearly a stud athlete. Yeah. You know, I think he's he's earning some respect for the specialists out there. So. Hey, we're just happy to have you here, and congratulations. Yeah, congrats, man. Yeah, appreciate it. By the it. way, how does your wife feel about all this? Is she cool with it? She is not cool with it, <laughs> but she is supportive because she knows I love it. Every single time I get in there and then the you know fight's over, she's like, great. That was a great one to end on. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. We'll, Look, we'll see. Give just send a her a lot of flowers. Moment. Send her a lot of flowers. We got to get you on the Pat McAfee show, by the way. Okay, because he gave you a shout out for the brand. He loves yeah. tough guy kickers and punters. We somehow got to get you on the Pat McAfee show. I'm not going to say anything, but tune in today oh, at let's go! approximately 2 p.m. Eastern. Fantastic. There may or may not be somebody on there that we recognize. <laughs> Your day started with a Jimmer endorsement, and then you got then they got this. This is a good day for you. It's a it, super Tuesday. It's been a pretty crazy 48 hours yeah. so yeah. well thanks for slumming it with us in studio b no way man thanks for having me it's awesome. been a pleasure you got it thanks andrew coming up the top five plays of the independent era and a shout out to finalizing a roster because it's been a long wait this is BYU sports nation this portion of byu sports nation is presented by delta airlines keep climbing this portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps or download the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Put up your dukes because we've reached that fabulous time of the week. It is Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing as we approach the final year of BYU Football Independence. We look back at all of the amazing plays we've seen during this Independence era. Here are our top five. This is the best part of Tuesday. Number five, Tyler Algier's punch out from last year's Arizona State game, late in the third quarter. Not sure where Hall was throwing it, but Algier bails him out, chases him down. Watch 25, oh. knocks it free. There's Hall on the recovery. BYU goes on to win. 27-17. That play might right there. Save the game. Got him in the job with a Falcon. To save, save the game. Number four. Coming in as the Micah Miracle. Third down and long with 16 seconds left at Tennessee. Zach Wilson, 64-yard bomb to Micah Simon. How does he get that open? I don't care. He was open. They made the play. Sets up Jake Oldroyd's game-tying field goal as time expired. The Cougs would eventually beat the Vols at Neyland Stadium in double overtime. Incredible play. Unbelievable. At number three, we go to Austin, Texas, and that's Taysom Hill. <laughs> He's going 30 yards. You know what's going to happen here. The touchdown is the least significant of everything on the play. Whee! That right there is the one that has him at number three. BYU goes to Austin in front of their full house. 
and beat him 41 to 7. 99 yards and three touchdowns on the ground for Taysom. And remember, he had a 68-yard touchdown called back on a questionable holding call. You were field side for this, Dave. Yeah, lost 15 pounds watching that. It was 100 <laughs> degrees and 90% humidity. Worth it. Worth every second and pound of that misery and that heat to experience that play live. Number two, BYU in desperation mode against Boise State. Down three, it's fourth and seven. 35-yard prayer. Mitchell Jurgens, where are you? There you are. Give me that Starman celebration as well. The Cougars' second game-winning Hail Mary pass in as many weeks. Wild what an night. Unbelievable night. On the very next play, Kainakua took a pick six back to the end zone. Love it. So BYU ends winning, uh, looks like going away. 35 24, right? But all in a flash of a few seconds. And, and I'll tell you, Lavelle Edwards Stadium was on fire. Yeah, Mangum paid the price for that, too, on that play. But it was only preceded by number one, Dave. Here is number one. It happened a week before. Mangum and his miracle rolling out. This is it. Cougars got to convert at the goal line to win the game. And Mitch Matthews is there. He told us on media day when he caught the ball, he wasn't sure he was in. But he looked over to the official, ruled it a touchdown. Bronco went nuts. BYU wins it 33-28. Blaine and I were just right there. You can see us on the other side of the end zone. And we too thought, was he in? Was he in? Then the call came. And those loyal BYU fans in that stadium went bananas. What a moment. Unbelievable. Top five play all time at BYU and the top play in 11 seasons of independence. Will we see something good enough to crack the top five in the final year of BYU football's so. independence? I Me, hope too. So. Me, too. <laughs> Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort asking Is it more important to you that a BYU quarterback have success at BYU or in the NFL? At Clark N. Addison says simply, Yes. I know. You want both. You want both. But you got to pick one, Clark. Come so go on, online Clark. to do that. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about Mark Pope? Yeah. The BYU Hoops roster is complete. Seven went out. Seven are coming in. Yeah. Very exciting to have basketball coming back. Hoos, Waterman, Robinson, Gideon George, Rudy Williams, maybe a starting five. Okay. Our thanks to today's guests, Jimmer Fredette, Andrew Mickelson. Conversation continues 24-7. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, hashtag BYUSN. For Dave, I'm Spencer. Shout out to James Anderson.